What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode three of the Fitness Journey Podcast. I'm Tommy Pomanico. Joining with me today will be our special guest, Eric Salvador, okay, also known as E-Rock. All right, so uh, say what's up. Hey, what's going on, guys? All right, so for those of you guys who don't know much about him, um, I'm, I, I'm familiar with Eric, but don't know too much about his story. What I do know is he owns a place called The Fitting Room. Uh, it's, it's a boutique place that uh, runs boot camp type style workouts, high intensity workouts in New York City. He has three locations in Manhattan, so uh, definitely check those out if you're into the hip style workouts. All right, um, so what we're gonna do, of course, as always, is learn about Eric's story. So I'm gonna start him off just by asking him where it started and why it started. All right. Okay, so um, again, as Tommy said, my name is Eric Salvador. Um, I'll talk a little bit about my fitness journey and how I am where I am now. Um, I guess I guess we gotta start in the beginning, right? Uh, <laughs> So how do I get into fitness? I mean, how do how do people get into fitness? I think uh, for me, it was a lifestyle. Um, I served for from ninety one to ninety five in the United States Marine Corps. Um, that was my first kind of like um, interaction with functional fitness, and um, I loved it. I saw my body transform. I mean, Marine Corps boot camp was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Um, there's one story that sticks out to me. I had to do this rope climb, and um, it was like our first week into boot camp, and, I, and it was 15 feet high, kind of like you know the ones they do in CrossFit now. And um, you know they showed us the technique, how to do it. I just remember I couldn't get all the way up, and why that stuck into my head because Marine Corps boot camp is three months long. At the end, phase three. Um, I not only climbed the rope, but I did it in full gear with an M16 helmet and everything. And I just remember like, wow, you know, this is incredible, this feeling. So um, that's really where my fitness journey began in the Marine Corps back in 91 to 95 when I was like fresh out of high school. Um, I was always a scrawny kid, never was a big kid. Um, I would, I played basketball in high school, but never football. Football was great, but I just never thought about actually getting hit by some big guys so uh, for me I was a hard gainer and it wasn't until the Marine Corps I was a late bloomer until I started putting on some actual size and muscle so um, that's where my love for fitness began right there back in the Marine Corps that's awesome um, so now what I want to know is obviously now you you know you own uh, are part of three locations in New York City started training people now how did the shift for fitness go from just uh, liking to seeing like the improvement overall body and being able to improve your skills like climbing ropes into you know what I want to help other people's how did how did that transition um so for me it became where I was working at that time now this is fast forwarding from to ni from 96 1996 I was working at Coca-Cola and um, at that time um, my son was just born I had taken a little hiatus from working out uh, I was just burnt out and I was just like you know what it's being a father and and hustling and making money and trying to raise a kid at a, as, as I was still a kid um, and I started working out again and a bunch of our friends would cover the gym our local gym and this gym I don't even know it's still open it was in Pelham Bay and it was a nice, like, nice gym. It had um, sauna, it had locker rooms, a cardio floor, a weight room. And so we started weight training. So 
I didn't do any functional training because I had done that for four years. I just wanted to do like aesthetic training. So, you know, your buys and tries and your back, you know, all the stuff. Legs, I didn't really hit too much legs because the guys that I worked out with didn't like legs as much as I did. But, you know, nonetheless, um, they really saw that I came with a plan. Um, I came with a program. Um, we would hit it three or four times a week, held each other accountable. And one of the, my friends, I remember at that time, it was like, Eric, you should really do this as a full-time job. And I was like, I don't know. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I thought it'd be great. You know, at first I thought it'd be great more, like, income. I didn't see it as, like, uh, a career. Yeah. So I then went and got certified through the NSCA, yeah. um, got my cert, and... Um, once I got that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply it. I got a job at uh, New York Sports Clubs on 86th Street in Lexington. And um, I thought at first, again, I was like, let me do it just to earn some cash. I started training clients. The thing was, the NSCA doesn't prepare you for like everyday normal people. It prepares you if I was going to train athletes. Like if I wanted to get a job at like Fordham University, Iona, you know, boom, I would have no problem. But the people I saw were like mom and dads and older retirees. And, and I was like, this is not applicable. I need to like, so I went and got my NASM, which was more of as far as when you come in about training, it talks about like partial distortions or, you know, pain and stuff like that. And that became the one cert that helped me train clients. I became um, a better trainer. And um, so it was my friends that put it in my head that thought I had the ability then when I applied it I was like alright there's some money that can be made and I started doing it part time you know so this was now um, I'm saying 2003 2004 is when I started becoming an, a personal trainer so. that's awesome and I know that uh, from experience from people telling me that that New York sports club from there you kind of transitioned into the boutique style and that's how you got into the CrossFit lifestyle so you're doing personal training you're helping moms and dads and you know um, people who are just coming to regular gym goers and then did you see just like an opportunity where like hey I think we can improve your fitness by doing less or just by not necessarily less but by a different style of fitness and uh, how was your mindset how did that go um, so before I even had that mindset, back in, uh, wow, what, what year was it? I'm going to say it was maybe 2009, I got introduced to CrossFit. And it was still underground. No one really, really knew about it. But um, you would see these YouTube videos. And um, one of my coaches um, was always on this YouTube video that I was so lucky to get coached by him. So I saw CrossFit and I was like, wow, these guys are like... The things that we're doing, guys and girls, you know, just muscle-ups and handstand walks and, and lifting. And I was like, I want to do that. So um, at the time, I started doing it at my, my New York Sports Club gym. And I was very close with my journal manager. And I said, is there any way we can get uh, some bumper plates? So I had taught myself how to snatch, how to clean. Basically, I don't, I won't forget, I bought a... Uh, a book a Olympic weightlifting book and I basically was YouTubing videos and reading this book and there was only one other guy that was doing that and he was in the same boat he was teaching himself how to lift and so I remember doing an empty bar overhead squat you know with those like rough 
um, barbells that won't spin. I mean, <laughs> but we had bumper plates, which was kind of cool. So I think we were one of the first gyms to have bumper plates. So before I even started the boutique studio kind of um, journey, I got introduced to CrossFit, which introduced me to HIT training, which was like the high intensity interval training, the, you know, just that feeling of going hard, but also learning new things that I thought I, my body wasn't capable of doing, like muscle-ups and handstand push-ups and stuff like that. So it was CrossFit that introduced me to that. And, and then after doing CrossFit, that's when a light bulb came in my head. I'm like, what if we did this in a boutique style studio, in a boutique style setting? Because I remember doing it and people were like, where do you CrossFit? And I was like, I CrossFit at CrossFit Metropolis. Remember, there was no, there was no publicity. There was no like advertisement for CrossFit. You kind of had to find a CrossFit, you know. You never heard about like social media postings about it. So I started CrossFit at Metropolis, but I can see where some of my clientele were like, oh, it's too, it's like raw. It's yeah. like garage. It's like dirty. There was no showers. Was, the bathroom was. I mean, we were in a uh, in a car garage slash like auto mechanic building, and it was pretty dirty. But that's what I loved about it. Yeah. Um, and so I said, but in order to get people to come in the door, we have to like make it clean. We have to make it pretty. And so um, I joined forces with Carrie Sayowitz, who's my partner now in this business and she had the business savvy mindset i had the fitness mindset and together we started a fitting room and you know that's i feel like uh and if you were to ask me like that's like a dream come true for a lot of trainers like oh she'll do the business stuff i get to run the place it's like oh this couldn't be better um now how did you go about meeting her how did you find her yeah so I, I believe I don't believe in all luck. I mean, you have to put in hard work and skill, and you have to apply it, and people will notice you. Um, so my first thing was, if I wanted to become a better trainer, I had to become very knowledgeable. So uh, back in 2004, my friend, good trainer of mine, um, introduced me to TRX, and the first thing I did was got the TRX. I got the cert. I learned all the TRX movements, and I started training my clients with the TRX. Next, I got kettlebell certified. And at that time, there was RKC, but they were in kind of like a weird stage. They were about to separate. Um, Pavel was going to start his own thing, um, Strong First. And uh, there was another one called Kettlebell Concepts. So I said, you know what? Let me jump in Kettlebell Concepts. I got in there, got my certain kettlebells, and so I bought three bells. So I remember just putting all my money into like, you know, everything. I got a paycheck. I'm going to buy three bells. And there were my bells. The gyms didn't have any kettlebells. It was all dumbbells. So I locked them up. You know, if, if I unlocked them when I used them with my clients. And then by that way, clients were like, oh, I want to do what Eric's doing with his clients. And so, you know, if they wanted to train with kettlebells, they came to me. If they wanted to do TRX, they came with me. Slowly but surely, we started seeing the shift in 2005 and six, where gyms started buying TRXs. People started buying, like, kettlebells. And having that knowledge just made me just a better and more uh, just, I, I think it was just like I was a something that people wanted because I had the training background and I it's because I invested in myself. That helped me out big time because that made Carrie look at me and be like, what is he doing and why is he always busy 
he's got something that I want to know what's about. So she and I met. I wasn't her trainer. She had a trainer. She was just like, I want to know what Eric's doing. So her trainer and I were good friends. And I told um, her trainer, her name was Chris. I said, Chris, get this, sir. Um, also do your level one CrossFit so you can understand how I train. And so he got his level one. And we started training all our clients. Like our clients were doing wall balls. I had a tape on the wall. <laughs> um, while all the other trainers were still stuck in the machines, which has a place, but I don't think that's the way functional fitness was going. Um, clients were like, I want to train in the functional area with Eric and Chris. So she noticed us and um, New York Sports Club started this kind of like contest. They were like, hey, any trainer that can come up with a new kind of small group training idea, you know, we'll pay out these royalties. So um, Chris and I just came back from our level one. We loved it. We were just like, we drank the Kool-Aid and we we're like, we're going to start like training people like this. And I said, you know what? Let's let's submit this kind of program to New York Sports Clubs. So the funny thing is, you know, we couldn't use the CrossFit names. And so, you know, the first workout was Fight Gone Bad. We're like, we're going to test them in this. And then we're going to retest them after a certain amount of weeks and see if their fitness gets better. And it was all like analytics. It's all like, you know, we're going to use the same weight, the same movements. And we gave it like a six-week program to them. They loved it. We didn't say CrossFit or anything. We just so they called it uh, the UXF Ultimate Fitness Experience, the okay. UFX. I became the poster child for that. They ran with it, but what happened now is in any corporation, they just want to throw it out there. They just started throwing it out there, and any trainer then could teach it. And what happened is these trainers weren't qualified. You know, they weren't qualified on how to write, teach a proper squad, or do burpees, or just like your fundamental bodyweight stuff. And a kettlebell swing. So I was like not happy with that. And I said, you know what? I don't want to be part of this anymore. I'm good. I stopped teaching it. Carrie saw that. And she's like, let's go and do this this UFX together. And just do it in a small group training in a studio. That's crazy. So essentially, um, you start this program for not just New York Sports Club in New York City, but pretty much all over the world. So every New York Sports Club developed this program that you created, and you're making the workouts for them. And But you have these trainers who just don't know essentially what they're doing when they're teaching it, which is maybe, um, not maybe, but which is also part of the why CrossFit had the bad rep. People were doing things that they thought they knew what they were doing, but they really weren't. And uh, it gets all mixed in. You, you realize that, you notice it, and you said, I'm not going to be a part of this. And you moved on. Um, before we get into the fitting room, really funny story. I was at uh, New York Sports Club downtown uh, by Wall Street uh, maybe like a month back. And I saw your poster. You're, you're on the wall. I'm like, I know this guy. <laughs> so that makes a lot more sense now as to why I see a poster of you in New York Sports Club. Um, so now Carrie gets you involved and she says, okay, I'm going to run the place with the marketing. And I'll, I'll take care of the numbers. I need you to come up with a great fitness class, one that can be... Uh, we have a lot of people in there, one and two. Um, it's got to be run within an hour or whatever it may have been. Yep. I'm not sure exactly what your analytics were. Um, talk me through that mindset. What was going on? How did it all start? So in order for me to explain to her how we're going to transfer this into a boutique, I had her come to Metropolis to see what a CrossFit class is like. Yeah. And the community, 
the workouts and tell her like I want to replicate this feeling but <laughs> in not like a dungeon or garage kind of gym but in a nice way where people come in they're like getting these towels there's a front desk person we're gonna show you the studio and so when she came to CrossFit back in um, I want to say the I remember it was the open 2013 I think and she saw me working out and um, I just remember her and some of the friends from fitting room like the owners and management they were there watching me and it was it was kind of a big deal for me because I was like a master's athlete now and I was like I finally get a chance to not be like teamed up with like these other young kids like at that time like Tommy Carter and some of my friends <laughs> so um, I got to showcase and I was like she saw that and she was like wow I think we can do this so I had to show her what it's like inside the box to replicate it and then once she did she's like she gave me full on like authority be like alright tell me what you need and since we didn't want to open up a big studio we said let's start small Let's make a demand for it, and then people will come in. So we started with 12 people in the classroom. And the way I devised the program, like I became like the programmer. So I would do a warm-up, like mobility, and then um, I would maybe do some strength. Now, the strength was either we had dumbbells, excuse me, kettlebells. We did have rowers because I got introduced to the rower to cross it. We had rowers. We had boxes for plyo jumps or step-ups. We would do a strength segment, circuit style, and then we finished them with, we call it the fix, but it was a Metcon. It was a conditioning. Not to cut you off, but um, I noticed you said you had dumbbells, no kettlebells. Uh, you had dumbbells and kettlebells, no barbell. And that must have been like uh, a massive shift and probably brought some people in if you want to touch on that really fast. Like, I'm sure part of the reason was spacing, but let's let's hear why else if there was any other reason why there was no barbells and just dumbbells and kettlebells. Well, two things. We know the barbell is, though it's just a bar, it's a very complex tool and very hard to teach how to teach people how to do like a clean and jerk, a snatch. Um, and it's such a the dumbbell is so accessible and so easy and space space wise is so just a friendly tool. Um, that though they're, they're still doing a clean and press, a squat, a thruster with a dumbbell, it's so easy to teach you with a dumbbell and kettlebell. Where the barbell is just like, you know what? Uh, we've seen people move with a dumbbell. I think to this day that if you want to teach someone successfully how to do it with a barbell, show them with kettlebells and dumbbells. Mm -hmm. And then the switch, the transfer the, the, is so easy. Um, so that was one. And the other one was spacing. Yeah. Like I barbells are just too big so yeah. um, and less intimidating so you end your class so you end your class with what you call you guys call the fix i've taken your class many times and those are nasty and it's great <laughs> um talk talk me through and that was the programming and um how how did this how did people take it in how did they like it how were we reacting how was business when it first started yeah so the only thing that would match this kind of workout was crossfit all right so Crossers would come and be like, oh, my God, this is like they would bring their wives now. Guys that that had their wives or spouses or girlfriends that weren't, didn't want to do the CrossFit, but they wanted the effects of it. They wanted the feel of it. And they would be like, oh, you'll love this. You know, the instructor's great. You know, they give you waters and towels. It was music. And and then you'll do a Tabata or then you'll do a finisher. And then the thing that uh, we started doing is like sprinkling like these kind of workouts, which were CrossFit. But for 
legal issues we couldn't call a workouts like Fran or we couldn't call a workout Isabel or you know but we gave them the same stimulus um, and uh, people loved it you know because the only thing that was out there eight years ago was a lot of yoga studios and Soul Cycle and Barry's Bootcamp and there weren't any other boutique studios doing what we're doing so we were like we're hit and this is what we're doing we're not doing yoga we're not gonna be like agility we're not doing a we're doing hit and with hit you can do a lot of things with hit with dumbbells and kettlebells and rowing and body weight so people really loved it they saw that the scalability like I was able to I remember teaching classes to my 9 a.m. and it was like all like maybe non-working moms and some dads and they loved it they're you know they saw their bodies change they saw they saw themselves getting stronger they um they it's just they felt more confident you know it wasn't ever about like calories and dieting and like look how skinny i am no it's about coming out there feeling stronger and that's what we wanted to make a safe place for that and not a place where we shame body shame people but we make people coming out there feeling man not only these instructors know what they're doing, they're qualified, but you have fun. And I think, you know, that's what sets us apart from a lot of other studios and, uh, and why we're still in business and we're doing great. Uh, so you guys decided to grow pretty much organically. You started very small and as the business grew, you guys grew in size. And tell me about that, how it started. I know I've, I've seen pictures. It's a very small room you guys start out in. And now you guys have three locations. Um, tell me how, how that went about. How, how did that happen? Well, one, our first studio was on Lexington and 80th Street. Storefront property. Carrie knew that she was going to take a hit because she was paying a lot in rent. But the exposure it gave us was phenomenal. People walking by, they can look through the, the, the window. I mean, there was a shade when we would start the workout, we'd bring it down, because if not, you'd have creepers like looking in. But um, we knew that if we could create a demand for it, and the classes were waitlisted, because you could only have 12 people in there, we were like, all right, when we, when we know the time is right, we'll open up and we'll look for a bigger studio and um, it was maybe like a year and a half two years down the road we were already looking we were always looking and with real estate it's always hard to find the ideal spot and then we landed Flatiron which was the gym that you came to 19th Street which we not only have a f uh, a big studio but we have a lower studio downstairs which replicated the original studio which is somebody wants that one-on-one -on -one flavor with just 10 people they can get it if they want the two instructor um, model upstairs with 24 people that's awesome so we we knew it was time to grow we were also because we were paying two instructors it made more financially like a, a ideal to start teaching a class for 24 people it wouldn't make sense like to hold on to 12 it just economically wouldn't make sense so um, we then went to 24 and that was huge once we started the 24 um, person in a room the energy was almost like twofold it just like went up even more the students were big it was just like it felt like the difference between teaching a class to like five people and then having a full class of 20 people so we then left the 83 location and now all our three studios are all 24 max with the exception of the fit pit we call it which is if you want to just um because we understand 24 people could be a little intimidating 
So if a person wants to try a class out, but they'd rather do it on one-on-one, they can go take the class in the Fit Pit with 10 people. Or, you know, nine people and them is 10 with an instructor, one instructor. That's very nice. And um, it's awesome to see how well it was able to grow and the strategy clearly worked to create the demand. And now you have three locations. Uh, My question to you now is throughout the years, obviously, a lot of boutiques have started and um, other styles like Orange Theory and your F45, how did that uh, adjust, if it did, by any of what you guys were doing? Did that change your model? Did it change your approach to training um, so that it would be more welcoming like those places where you're on a treadmill and a rower for a lot of the time and breathing heavy? Yeah, so after we started opening, we started seeing a lot of people claiming to be hit just because it was... <laughs> it was that one word that everyone's using. Like, you have a you have a bike, let's do hit on the bike, or you have a rower, let's do hit on the rower. And so, one thing that we stay true to is the brand and what we do. Um, we never deviated from that. We never um, we're gonna say we're gonna do Olympic lifting or anything like that. We're doing what we do is hit classes through body weight kettlebell dumbbell. Um, when we saw the studios open up, the thing that we take pride in is our two instructors are credentialed not only are they personal trainers but they have other certifications um which is like strong first the kettlebell cert um they also like i'm rowing certified um all of our trainers are the nasm or nsca or ace so not only are you coming in with a trainer there's two of them and they're they could also help you modify we didn't want to turn people away and say oh you're pregnant you can't take this class but we have pre and postnatal trainers who can tell you what you can and can do depending on where you are in your pregnancy. Um, and so we just had to become better. We had to become more qualified, all right? And that's how you do it. Um, also, it helped that as the years went by, we also became, we had to move with the time. So we started ordering skiers and assault bikes and battle ropes, stuff like that. We were like, all right, how can we not make this just like stagnant? We also have to keep evolving in fitness still being true to what we are as a hit but giving them more tools and when you have more tools and stuff to to do the hit training people love it um there's never a time where you're coming in you're doing the same workout um as you know like one day you'll be like oh we did a partner workout and another day it'll be a different workout or we use bikes and we didn't use bikes so that helps us with our training and our philosophy um it's just by seeing what other studios are doing but staying true to our brand but expanding their fitness journey with just not doing the same thing so that was that was something that once i got my hands on a skier for the first time i won't forget i was like carrie we got to order skiers <laughs> yeah it's here it's probably my favorite machine um so now last thing i just want to ask you about is since you know COVID has begun Obviously, a lot of fitness studios are struggling because their location isn't open. Um, You'll see a lot of people doing the Zoom classes. Uh, My gym, our gym does on-demand classes. Um, What was your guys' approach? What was your guys' mindset? And what are you guys doing? These are great questions because the studios that were prepared, that had this kind of mindset that we were already going to do this, were the ones that are exceeding and succeeding now. So a week before we closed our doors due to the mandate government issue, um, we had a meeting and we said, all right, how are we going to continue to give 
the community, these fitting room classes, if our, our brick and mortar studios are closed. And so we said, well, Zoom is the way to go. And I had no idea what Zoom was. However, there were a lot of people in corporate America that do all their meetings and they work from Zoom. And I had no idea. So I had a, we had to train not only our trainers, but we had all have accounts, Zoom accounts. And this was a week before we tested it out because we knew that we'd have to now teach from our homes. The great thing is Zoom is very interactive. Like I can train you through Zoom and you also feel like you're in the studio even though you're at home. So people would, you know, we we would, all right, how many people do we have? So we capped it at 24, which would still, you could feel 24 on your screen, on your laptop. And also 24 is what we have in our studio. So it was still perfect on brand. You could still give everyone attention on their movements. And at that time, because we knew people didn't have equipment, we're like, all right, we're going to just launch out bodyweight classes. So I think we only missed Monday and Tuesday, which we're starting to get the plan. By Wednesday, I remember I was already teaching my class on Wednesday morning. And that was, I think, March, I think, 16th or 17th. That was my first class. It was a bodyweight class. And we saw how it was doing so well. And then we started expanding the schedule. Um, people love the interaction with the coach. They love that we were teaching our classes from our homes. We love that we can still call them out by their name. We still, I think people loved, if anything, that they could still see their friends and work out together. So maybe physically, I'm not in your apartment with you, but I'm there next to you. Or your best friend is working out next to you. You know, you can use the gallery of you. You can, you can pin the video on a friend. They love that, and um, the only difference was, was one instructor. And then as we started expanding through the weeks, we said, all right, we're going to have a one dumbbell class. We have a one kettlebell class. We started then um, branching out to a uh, fit kids, where we have kids. I mean, these kids are at home, and their parents are like, get them to do something. <laughs> so we, we also do fit kids when the studios were open. So we're like, we can do it in Zoom. We have a forever fit for a 65-plus older clientele, which is great. We also have pre- and postnatal classes, and uh, the list goes on. And I have my, like, fixed stream class, which is my, like, advanced class, where they're doing movements like kettlebell snatches, Turkish get-ups. They're more rounds for time, and you're hold accountable for, versus, you know, just like, all right, I don't want to know how hard I'm going. I just want to do the workout. So we have so many different classes now that we just took from our regular schedule and said, all right, you know what? We can replicate it and do it on Zoom, and it's been a success of success we have over 100 classes going on right now a week um and on top of our on demand we were giving it out to free for our clients free for 30 days for them to kind of get a feel for it but i'll tell you what you can't replicate zoom on on demand on demand yes you'll see me i'll be but i i'm not going to call you out you can easily stop. You can take a sip of water. You can rest. In Zoom, there is no room for that. I'm on top of you. I'm pushing you through. I'm guiding you through the work. I'm helping your form out. And also, you're doing it with friends. So Zoom has been really good to us. And I think this is where fitness is going. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know if gyms are ever going to open up. And if they do, at what capacity? So we already made that decision that we're going to stay doing Zoom going forward. You know, if we open up, say, hypothetically in August and instead of 24, now we have to do 12, they're going to be people that are not going to be comfortable coming back to the gym. And so we said, you know what, we're going to continue doing Zoom till till the end because we know that people want to do this. I mean, for me, you know, what better feeling is to just roll out of bed, teach classes, three classes to 24 people in each class and 
and be in the comfort of my home and then have breakfast, you know. So, but I mean, I do. And when there is a time and chance for me to come back to studio, I would love to. But obviously, there's a lot of factors in place in that. But uh, yeah, Zoom is here to stay. That's awesome to hear that, uh, you know, no matter the circumstances, you guys are able to be successful in the fitness industry and keep doing what you guys are doing. And uh, it's been awesome to have you on the podcast and hear where you've been through and how you got here. It's inspirational. And uh, like I said, thank you. Um, last words. Um, For anyone that's starting the fitness business or career, I say talk to people that started out. Um, really pick their brains and ask them what was it, who were their, their people that they spoke to or they looked at and they, they admired because um, for me it was two things. It was being in the right place at the right time but also having that passion for fitness and then find what works for you, what you like. And if you're looking to do fitness, you know, um, there's so much fitness going out there right now, do your homework because there's a lot of people that think they know what they're doing and then there's credentials and those people that might have a hundred thousand followers doesn't mean they know what they're doing i some of my best friends and trainers i follow are not the most popular ones but they're very knowledgeable so i say to the consumer do your homework um and seek those people out don't try to just venture and do yourself do your homework and 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 again like we have fun doing it so that's why i love it Hell yeah, man. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Stay tuned to the next episode, and we will hear from you soon. Later.